0: office hours with me, Chris. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. It's back to regular office hours times here, at least for one more episode. We'll tell you about that in a little bit. And Brentley is joining me like always. Hello, sir. Well, hello, Chris. This
1: office, it's nice. Thank you. Thank you. I decorated it in a Canadian and America theme today. You got a maple tree and an eagle? I've never seen that pairing before.
0: I know we had Canadian Day and we now today's the 4th of July as we're recording. So I just figured, you know, throw it into the AI and see what it comes up with. And I just themed the room based on what it told me. It just worked out great. It did okay. <laughs> Man, things have been going on. Brentley has some big news and he's also got a big meetup
1: coming up. Why don't we start there? Do you want to give us a recap and tell us what's going on? Sure, can do. Uh, if you didn't hear in Linux Unplugged this week, I am now part of the Nextcloud team, helping them spread the good word. So, ta-da! congratulations. Well, thank you. Yes, indeed. What that means is uh, for our friends in Europe, I'm headed back to Berlin later this month. So, we would love to see those who can make it. For those who couldn't make it the last time, uh, here's an opportunity. Hopefully, we're giving enough heads up for folks to, uh, you know, take the train. Chris, they take the train over there. They should. Man, I would love to have more train options here. So if you would like to check in there, uh, we're still figuring out the dates and location for a potential JB meetup. But we've got some good choices. So um, on meetup.com, we have an event there. If you can RSVP, that would be super helpful. But we're aiming around July 22nd as the earliest and uh, potential backup plans of July 23 on a Sunday, which would be. Pre-Linux Unplugged, you know, a meetup right before Linux Unplugged recording. That could be kind of neat. You know, that's what time zones can do for you. Uh, And worst case, July 30th would be another Sunday option. But uh, that all gets sorted hopefully this week. Basically, end of July sometime.
0: Great. Yeah. Brent will update the meetup.com page, which we have linked in the show notes when he's got
1: deeds. Yeah. Another great thing you could do is join the Berlin Buds Matrix room. That's the best place to get updates as we change them we promise not to change them too often but that's a good place to also
0: or maybe suggest a great location
1: yeah that is also true in there is the place to go so berlin buds if you're looking we also have a link to that in the show notes
0: and a little bit further out just after linux fest northwest i'm packing my bags and i am heading to el salvador and i am going to man the open source um what do they call it track i believe with uh, my buddy, the Bitcoin dad. And we'll be running that uh, November 7th through the 9th in El Salvador at the Adopting Bitcoin Conference. And I thought, what an opportunity, you know, to really kind of focus in on the open source community. And this is one of the best sort of non-commercial, just really focused on the doers and the people making, you know, like the developers making the code and stuff like that. And open source plays a big role there. So I'm really excited to be able to host that. Plus, we're going to get time to go to the beach. And if you're in the area, let me know, reach out. Perhaps we could meet up. Again, it's going to be November 7th through the 9th, adoptingbitcoin.org if you want more information about the conference. And when I know more about the open source track, I'll tell it to you. I'll get that figured out soon. I mean, right now, my my primary focus is Linux Fest Northwest, (laughs) but uh, then very quickly we'll shift to that. And I've never flown that long in my life either. How long is it going to be, Chris? I don't know. It's got to be at least a 14 hour flight, right? I think something 16
1: hour flight. I have no idea, actually. We'll have to find out at some point. Can you take a train?
0: Well, the prices are pretty good. Can I take a train? I wish. I've also, <laughs> you know me, I've also looked at it in, uh, of course, I've looked at it in the route, like a
1: road trip. Wait, can I road trip this in a truck or something like that? Oh, can jupes make it? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> well, I thought you put wings on there. Well,
0: you could maybe do it that way. You could maybe do it that way. Yeah, it's an all-day thing. That's what I'm gathering. The prices aren't too bad. Surprisingly, if you book it in time, you could get a flight for like three, a round trip for like $300. What? Yeah. If you get it ahead of time, but it's kind of a budget destination. One of the reasons I'm going, to tell you the truth, (laughs) you know, I feel like maybe I'll wind the clock back on inflation a couple of years when I'm visiting there and save some money. Maybe not, but it's a dream of mine.
1: I'm going to be fascinated to hear what you discover there, especially leading up to it. I think you're trying to make connections and meet up with some folks that are down there. I mean, we have a certain perspective in North America, but um, that's a whole new opportunity. So I hope you, uh, I don't know, come back a changed man. I got me thinking about it this morning
0: because there's a conference going on in El Salvador right now that's teaching folks the basics of Bitcoin development. And they posted a picture of the of the classroom this morning. And uh, almost all the laptops, including the presenters, are all Linux. And you could just see it gnomes in there, plasmas in there, Unity's in there. It's a room full of Linux users. And that got me really excited. Maybe I, maybe I will get a chance to, to see some Linux in El Salvador. But let's, let's talk about podcasting. Because I think this is going to set us up for our main topic today. We're going to discuss some big changes that we're going to be making. Uh, but let's start at the other end. Let's start with automatically created low cost content because a survey conducted by a AI content creation company suggests that 82% of podcast listeners are actually pretty okay with the use of AI to improve sound quality by removing background noise or perhaps even translating captions into different languages and making podcasts accessible to global audiences. In fact, it expands out even there. 78% of listeners endorse AI-generated transcripts and captions. 74% of respondents suggested highly relevant podcast episodes based on a topic that could be suggested by AI. They're fine with that. But even getting down to automatically generating content in the episodes, it's in the high 70s, 70 percentage range, that people are okay with AI-generated content if it improves the overall, I guess, quality. Of the content in the seventy percent range for that—that
1: that is like the others, I believe, because why not make the experience better? Yeah, but yeah. the content piece has always been the hesitation. That's so I'm—I don't know—skeptical of that number, if you might say. I would—I would be curious to know if this is just skewed because ACast,
0: which describes themselves as the world's largest independent podcast company, like how could they even know that? <laughs> right? Do they have any idea what the other podcast companies make or how big? I mean, that just. But they clearly um, have an AI product, not only a content generation product they're trying to sell, but also an AI generated advertising platform that they're trying to sell to do AI content matching with ads. And they've released this study um, and, it you know, I think it reflects what they want to see from the market. I'm. I'm, I'm convinced that you could use AI to automatically generate chapters and transcripts that could be published immediately, and then perhaps reviewed by a human at a reasonable date to be corrected. Um, But I don't think we're there completely yet. There's a new service come along that's just brilliant. It's called transcribe.fm. And it's as simple as it could possibly be. You upload an MP3 file, you connect your Albi account. So say you already have some sats to boost into the show. You connect your Albi account. You give them a pay-what-you-want amount. I did like 5,000 sats. And within minutes, they'll transcribe an hour-plus-long podcast. And they'll even attempt to do speaker identification. They make it available in the various formats you might want, like JSON or SRT or HTML.
1: It actually sounds really attractive for us, Chris. It's like a problem we've been trying to solve, I don't know, for eight months now. And we've gotten close, but you've got some features in there that uh, we didn't even think of, like... The fact that it's kind of lightning enabled, I think, probably has us very attracted to it. And it makes me think it would be wonderful if we could just automate this, like uh, include them in a split. And it just like automatically takes that episode and transcribes it for us. Wouldn't that be a, a sweet gem?
0: See, I think that's where this is going, right? For a podcaster, so you, as, a, as a podcast listener, you could use this. You log in with your existing Albie account. And then you just upload the MP3. Pay in the amount of sats you want. And then a couple of minutes later, you get the transcript file. And so as a listener, you could do this for any podcast you want. But as a podcaster, I think that's where this is going, Brent is perhaps we put them in for like a 4% split or something. And as long as they are in that split, they just, they know the RSS episode. They know the feed number. They know all that stuff. They could go grab the MP3 auto transcribe it and and put that json file up on an http endpoint for us and they could just keep doing that as long as they're in the split and if we want to move that internally we just pull them out of the split and if we decide we want to go back because maybe our internal solution didn't work we just add the, them back to the split or maybe they're in some shows and not others uh it when you integrate it in with lightning you get away with all of that subscription nonsense and account management stuff but you can still fairly use the service. And I think this is a great example of where podcasters can use the sats that their audience is boosting them to now turn around and get transcriptions with very little work on the podcasters part. And audience members can take the sats that they might already have because they've been boosting in and toss a couple at transcribe.fm and get their own transcript for a podcast that doesn't offer it. It's brilliant. You don't you know, you don't have to worry about anything. Like it's just so straightforward and simple. You don't have to, you don't have to like go set up a separate password for it. It's just really nice. And the fact that it can do like Linux Unplug, which was like an hour ten or something like that, and it did it in probably
1: 45 seconds. Whoa. Okay, that's impressive. And how is the accuracy?
0: Pretty good. I mean, I don't know if it's as good as
1: our internal stuff, but our internal stuff also took five minutes. Okay, fair enough.
0: You know, you know, depending on you know, if you just want to be able to get the idea and search for certain information.
1: I think it's probably good enough. You know, I would imagine there's an opportunity here to also cache those results. You know, if you think about we already did Linux Unplugged, for instance, that that file will have a hash that you could just easily look up in a table or something instead of doing the whole thing over and over. So I hope they're thinking about that on the back end. I hope so, too. I think
0: the chaps over at Fountain are thinking about that because Fountain FM has also introduced transcripts. I mean, there's really some stuff happening with transcripts right now. I'm very happy to see this. Some podcasters, unfortunately are wasting their time on dynamic ads and trying to scramble to get that working. But others are focused on adding new features and capabilities to their podcast like transcripts. And Fountain has made it stupid easy. It's so, so simple and straightforward and also very fast. What I like about what they're doing is they kind of followed your model, Brent, where a premium user or a user who's not a premium user can pay a one-time tiny fee like 2,000 sats And generate a transcript for a podcast. And then once that transcript has been generated once, it's available for everybody. And it's right built into the Fountain FM app. It's just a button in the player. And so if you, I'm a Fountain premium user, so I get unlimited transcripts on demand, but you can pay, otherwise it's like 50 cents for every hour of audio transcription, which works out to be about 2000 sats for every hour. So if it's a two hour show, you pay 4000 sats. You get a transcription in like 30 seconds and now it's available for everybody. Hmm. It's so nice. I mean, now there's a limited to their system, right? Where Transcribe FM is a website. You just go there and upload an MP3 file. But if you're already using Fountain, that's awesome.
1: Well, I could I could see this like moving into just becoming a little bit of a standard. I mean, maybe that's me being a little bit idealistic, but let's say fountain transcribes it and the community member funded that as a sort of gift or value for value to the other listeners. Why shouldn't that be available in all the podcast 2.0 apps? Wouldn't that be a great thing?
0: So with the way that transcribe FM does it, if a podcaster runs it, they get a JSON file or whatever, and they can put that in their They can put that up on their website and then add it to their RSS feed and it would be available to every podcasting 2.0
1: app immediately these pieces connecting are just so close, right? We need to have like one conversation to make all this happen.
0: Yeah, I think Sovereign Feeds could inevitably be the tool that integrates all this. So you go to Sovereign Feeds to update your podcasting 2.0 RSS feed or to create an RSS feed. And then it'll just give you an option. Do you want to integrate Transcribe FM? Do you want to integrate this or that? And then it'll just generate on the background, you know, and post that result file to some HTTP endpoint that you give it. And it's getting there it's so close i'm so so excited to see it because transcripts i believe are going to be a game changer for podcasts in like a slow burn way at first it's just going to open it up to an audience that maybe the audio hasn't been accessible to and that is something that podcasting has been so negligent for in, in for like a decade it's embarrassing we we really should have been all over this years ago and so it's a shame to see some folks dragging their feet now because This is a, this is a blight on the podcasting industry and we have made it inaccessible to an entire demographic of potential audience members. So we need to solve that problem. Additionally, which is clear and an immediate benefit is all of a sudden the content of the podcast becomes a lot more searchable. We have a lot of really, really, really good information in like Linux unplugged last week about the Red Hat changes. There's not really a great way to expose that information to somebody who isn't willing to commit an hour and 10 minutes. Whereas this might give them the ability to get the information. Oh, these guys actually sound like they have a good take. I'll go listen. Or I'm searching for this topic. Now Google can actually expose our our podcast episode as something that contains that information. Because there's nothing there for Google to index right now. So it's going to help with SEO and discovery and search, obviously.
1: I also love the idea that you could scrub through. Some audio, like uh, find a keyword that you're really interested in, then just jump right into the podcast at that point, especially if you're new to a particular podcast. That's a quite a nice way to get introduced to the topic, but also to find new podcasts that you might be interested in that you didn't even know we're talking about a a topic that you're really interested in.
0: Also think about it in terms of citing a source. So uh, if we want to cite something that somebody said on a podcast right now, what we can kind of do is either we can play a clip or we can say. You know, in episode 343 at the 30 minute and nine second mark, so-and-so said, right? That's just kind of silly. It's a bit clumsy. <laughs> right. But if, if podcasts had a transcription as a default, it would make citing this, the, the interviewee or the sourced information much simpler, not just for other podcasters, but for people that are writing publications, maybe they're in a written format and things like that. Um, And it's also maybe easier to just share a paragraph with somebody that's new to a podcast than it is an audio clip. And then some podcasts, you could maybe even repurpose that text somehow. I'm sure there's a lot of ways we could kind of come up with that. So I'm excited to see transcription really getting easier and more accessible between things like Transcribe FM, Fountain building it in, and also Whisper CPP just being available to generally anybody that has enough CPU cores. We're getting there. We're getting there. I don't know when exactly, but it's close. It's close. And I think it's going to be sooner than later that most of our shows have a transcription file somehow. It would be done probably today if Fireside FM updated their (laughs) transcription support to the podcasting standard, guys. It's so sad. It's okay. It's okay. I've been patient. I'll continue to be patient. Other folks, though, are focused on maintaining the status quo. And this has actually sort of upset me this morning. Chris has had a bit of a sad. Um, I really see a fork in the road ahead of us trying to maintain the status quo, sort of kick the can, the advertising solution down the road and embrace dynamic ad insertion and kind of give up sovereignty over your content. I mean, think about it from my perspective. Imagine spending 18 years building out your channel. Your voice, curating every minute of audio, applying everything you've learned about microphones and editing and compression, and seeking out team members who can then bring in their expertise and bring it to the next level, like Drew does, and working with them to make sure that the product is as good and represents what you want as much as possible. Imagine doing that for years, some even longer than I have been, and then handing over that to some advertising system, some company, they don't know you, they're probably VC funded and they're just going to slam an advertisement in there. It's, It's a violation of what some of us have been building our entire careers. And it's only in a moment of desperation would creators who have been building that make a change like this. Times are changing. And this morning I learned that twit.tv has joined in partnership with Libsyn to begin rolling out dynamic ads in the Twit podcast. Now, this, this stings because Leo Laporte, I believe, made the host read legitimate for podcasts. Leo Laporte came from radio. And he brought a legitimacy to the podcast host reading the ads. And he originally had such great advertising, he was able to do it with genuine passion. And I think he set a bar for how host read advertising was done in podcasting. And he also created his own media empire after tech TV crumbled. He switched over to podcasting and he built his own business. And they took that advertising, they brought it in-house. But Like so many businesses that are built on a certain model, it became inflexible and unable to adapt to perhaps a more value-for-value type model because it simply doesn't scale to like 20, 30 employees. I I believe value-for-value models generally predicate a pretty lean-mean operation. What you see in the splits is what you get. (laughs) And if you can't afford it via the splits, you probably can't afford to do it with value-for-value, at least right now. And That's just not where Twit's at. But as somebody who's in this industry and as somebody who watched Leo Laporte help legitimize the host read ad that made this a medium that was possible for thousands of other podcasters to make a full-time income, and to see Twit make this change is really hard for me. This is losing one of the OGs. And I, I
1: can understand it because of their scale, but it still stings, Brent. It still stings. Uh, it's interesting to see in the chat here, uh, some Linux users suggesting that Twit has tried this in the past as well, 2018 and 2020. And so I'm curious, you know, they must have tried it and not been happy with it and gone back. But it's just a progression of that idea of sort of giving up that control, isn't it? And I mean, you've been predicting the shift of the industry a little bit for what the last is it a year, two years, something like that? I'd say, I'd say two years I've been bringing
0: it up, and for the last year I've been obnoxiously consistently bringing it up, right? Yes. And that's, I think, maybe in part why I'm frustrated. If I saw this coming, others could have seen this coming, or they could have listened to me. Either way, we could have spent the last year building something together, right? Imagine if Leo had gotten 5% of his audience to start doing boosts. And some of our other friends who were going to be switching to dynamic ads or who are losing advertisers had spent the last year getting 5 to 10% of their community doing boosts. We'd all be in a position now where that may actually be a viable way to support content because we'd have critical mass. Instead, I've spent the last year eating sandwiches, telling everybody this was coming. And here we are. And I think it's such a tragedy if you come at it from what made podcasting great was that it didn't have that commercial influence. It wasn't radio. It was something that was handcrafted by people who really cared about that topic, and they were so passionate about that topic, they were willing to commit the time and energy and capital to make content about it because they just love talking about that thing so much. That's why they started a podcast. And now there's two paths with Dynamic Ads. It's either a race to the bottom because as you remove the host read, you remove the sort of brand credibility that brings, the sort of host endorsement that that brings, which is a huge part of what the advertiser is paying for. So you make the podcast ads less valuable. So the cost goes down, right? Libsyn, which is who Twit has selected, has spent years campaigning. I've documented some of it on this show, has spent years campaigning to get the cost of podcast advertising down. The numbers that Libsyn posts are half the numbers, half our numbers, because they're trying to bring the cost down, because they want to have a YouTube-like experience where you can buy ads at massive scale across multiple creators. Twit's gone in with Libsyn, one of the biggest offenders in driving this price to the bottom. It's a race to the bottom. So that's scenario one. Scenario two is that this is successful, and it makes all of these podcasters more money. That's the path that leads to radio ads, my friend. That's the path that leads to a clock. That's the path that leads to integrated ads, ads that get inserted at the hour, on the hour. That's the path that leads to commercial radio. Then that's also the path that leads to regulation, but that's a further down the road thing. So where I see dynamic advertising going is two different routes to hell. Either most likely a race to the bottom as they begin to devalue, especially as they work in AI generation. or They're successful, and we end up with radio and RSS feeds. (sighs) Very, very, very disappointed we're at this point, especially after a year of me talking everyone's ear off about the problem, making the case the entire time. And, you know, as we sit here right now, Bitcoin is up on the year at, at, at its high. And so if you sent us a row of ducks a year ago, your row of ducks is doing more work for Jupiter Broadcasting right now without you having to do a single thing. Extra quacks, right? It's they're doing they're quacking extra with no with no extra work because that asset has gone up in value, and we put it into work into adding liquidity to channels. We put it in other places that I probably shouldn't share about for OpSec, but it's it is it, it is a model that is working for us, and we all could have gone in on this, and in a year later, where we're at right now, after I've been warning for a year everyone would have made money. The audience was able to send an amount that they're comfortable sending. So they're not out on some big investment. We're talking like, you know, a couple of dollars. But on total in collective, it's doing more for JB as time goes on. Now, the market dynamics will change over time, but things are looking pretty positive right now because BlackRock and Fidelity and about six others. So about eight large financial institutions have announced ETFs that they want for Bitcoin, even if they don't get approved right away. It is a signal that the absolute largest asset managers in the world want in on Bitcoin. And they're not crypto ETFs, right? They're not salooner ETFs. They're Bitcoin ETFs. Just like I told you, the SEC came in, they cleaned house in the crypto casinos. They're going after Coinbase, they're going after Kraken, they're going after Binance, just like I told you they would. They're going after the security coins that are actually securities, just like we said they were. And Bitcoin is remaining the champion. And now the largest financial institutions, BlackRock, who has out of 572 ETFs they filed, has had one ETF ever rejected, has now filed for a Bitcoin ETF. The big boys are here and they want in. And that signal, regardless if they even get approved, it's verifying the value for value model. It works because it's sats and because the sats you sent in a year ago are doing more work today than they were when you sent them a year ago. And because I'm somebody who's watching this, I know how to leverage that because it's my business. It's hard, but it's a business. And I want to own this infrastructure because it's my business and I want to run this business for another 30 years. I don't want Libsyn running how I make revenue. Not only do they manage the payment system and they manage the CDN infrastructure, but now they get to pick content for my shows and they get to be the kings of how I make revenue which means you're on the hook because if Libsyn changes the deal on me, the content could go away or be altered at any point. And the wish of the listener, the, the desires of the listener, <laughs> they're not a consideration in this deal. But with boost and value for value, the only consideration is the listener. You see what I'm saying? There's two paths ahead of content creators, and it's really sad to see Twit choose the wrong path here. Because they made the right bet on podcasting back in the day, but I think they're making the wrong bet now, even if they end up making more money.
1: Now, Chris, I'm curious, um, since you have, you know, some extensive perspective, I'm curious if you think that these automated insertion ad platforms will change the structure or content of some of these shows that we've come to love for so long. You know, is it going to change the actual content as well, in a way? Well, it is going to require more brand safety, you know,
0: you're. It's going to be more akin to like, oh, I can't say that kind of stuff, like you hear YouTubers say all the time because they're always constantly worried about YouTube punishing them. It's essentially going to be more of that over time getting applied to podcasting, and I think that's a a bad thing. I think podcasting should represent the full f- spectrum of free speech, and then the listener market can decide the winners and the losers. You know, with this dynamic ad system, it's sort of incentivizes the podcaster to drive as many downloads as possible. And that's generally not done through quality. It can be, but that requires so much work. And most podcasters that are doing this deal, they're doing it because they've already gone out horizontally. They've already launched, like in the case of Twit, man, they, they are the very example of horizontal growth simply to create more ad inventory, simply to bring in more revenue. But I think you can look around at any full-time podcaster right now. They've all gone out horizontally to create more ad inventory because they can only put so many ads in in a podcast. So, you know, if you got a 30-minute or an hour-long podcast, you could put three or four ads in there if you really cram them in there. And then you could go promise people they can get rid of those ads if they go subscribe to your Patreon or your membership. And that does work to some degree, but you can only do it before you really, you can only go so far. You start putting five ads in there, six ads in there, you really start pissing people off. So you got to, you got to grow out horizontally. You got to start up security now, right? You got to start up this week in Google. You got to find, even though you could talk about when something really matters, you could talk about it in your weekly tech show. And then all of a sudden you need two weekly tech shows. So now they have two weekly tech shows. And for a while they had a daily tech show, (laughs) all ad inventory spots. And the issue is, is that requires staffing, you know, editors, producers, service contracts for the hosting platform, all these things create cost. And so you are forced into just doing more ads. And the dynamic model is kind of the way to kick this can down the road. Instead of re architecting, you know, culling the herd, if I was Leo, I'd, I'd have three shows. You know, I'd, I'd have three shows. That's what I would do. And I'd do three shows. That's all Leo needs to do. He's worked so damn hard for so long. You know what? He's proved himself. I would transition. And I know it sucks to do layoffs, but I would transition. And I would do three shows. I'd work with a couple of hand picked sponsors. And I do value for value, which is essentially what I'm trying to do here at JB. But that's because, and I know Leo knows this, you grow out horizontally, it just tra- it traps you. Um, and I think this lets them kick the can down the road because one of the things they say in this Libsyn announcement is that uh, Libsyn's, di- you know, insertion rate has
1: been much higher than their, their insertion rate was or something to that degree, right? You've yeah, got it here. It's Elisa Laporte, the CEO of Twit, saying... Uh... Throughout our pilot phase, they've consistently demonstrated a higher fill rate, making them an invaluable partner for our next phase of podcasts.
0: So the reason why they're demonstrating a consistently higher fill rate is because Twit can't sell ads in-house. Where the dynamic insertion platform will always just throw something in there, even if it's a low performer or a low payer or whatever, they'll throw it in there. So if your metric is... Which system is filling ad slots better? Well, the dynamic system's always going to. And the reason why you're using the dynamic system is because your in-house system has failed. I've already gone over the reasons why in-house ad sales is slowing for podcasting, so I won't relitigate that here. But that's just such a silly quote as a victory. Of course, the dynamic platform is doing more insertions than your in-house platform. That's the whole point right now. (sighs) Uh, Anyways, I'm willing to be wrong on this one. I would love to see a system where I could sit down, I could record all the ads for the platform. I just upload them to a, to a platform and then it inserts them until they reach a certain play count. And then it starts rolling in new stuff or something. And you don't even really know that they're being dynamically inserted because they're still read by me. They're still the right fit for the right show, that kind of thing. And we just now have a software package that is keeping closer track of exactly how many downloads or, or engagements a read gets and swaps in a new one, because that might be a system that would work with advertising, because I believe advertising and podcasting is going to go to a lot shorter lean, mean contracts, couple of hits, a couple of episodes, and then they're gone. Not these, you know, with us for three years kind of deals that we've been seeing for a long time. So, you know, I'll keep an eye on it and I'm willing to reevaluate my position right now. But today, my primary takeaway is sad. And frustrated because I've been talking everybody's ear off for this. Plenty of warning. There's been plenty of signs. Clearly, I was seeing something. Clearly, whatever signal I was watching was correct. They could have been watching that same signal and they didn't. And now what they're doing is they're handing over something that they've spent nearly a lifetime creating to Libsyn to dynamically insert content into. It's hard. It's hard. I want to take a moment and thank Linode for sponsoring because they have two more episodes on office hours. We're going to be getting more into this. So if you want to take an opportunity to thank them for years of support, a great time right now to go to linode.com slash Jupiter. You can check out the exciting news that Linode is now part of Akamai, but all the tools you love, like the command line interface, the API, the cloud manager, it's still there. It's just getting better. They're investing more in resources, more in cloud computing, They're expanding their data centers worldwide. It really is the best case. I think Akamai has recognized the value of the Linode brand. You can go check it out for yourself and make the determination and get the $100. So you go to linode.com slash Jupiter, support the show, and kick it around and see how Linode, now Akamai, is helping grow all the way from the edge, like Brent's way out to the edge to the cloud, and more resources, making it better than ever, the tools you love and expect. So go support the show at linode.com slash Jupiter. And they have one more episode, and we are very grateful for Linode's support. This show never made sense from an advertising standpoint. <laughs> I don't know how you convinced them. They just loved what we did, right? And it was a different time in advertising. I think I want to, maybe this puts into perspective, a little, little honesty here. Linode, you know, had a pretty generous advertising budget. You can see because they were sponsoring everywhere, and they really wanted to get the brand out there, and they liked what we did. And those were some of the deciding factors to sponsor on Office Hours. But it doesn't actually make sense now, like now that the budgets are cut back, because marketing budgets are the first thing companies cut back before they do layoffs, before they do freezing hires, they slash the marketing budget. That's true everywhere. And now it doesn't make sense for Linode to be in office hours. And it probably never did make sense, but we were just in a very fruitful time. I've said it before, the, the sun was shining and podcasters made hay.
1: Can you explain why it didn't make sense in more concrete terms?
0: Well, they're on all of our other shows already. So they're getting pretty good brand reach. And this podcast is a podcast made for people that listen to Jupiter broadcasting shows. So you're kind of double dipping for people you've already reached. And, you know, our read the, the podcast, you know, it gets like five thousand downloads. I don't know. I and mean, it's not a huge show. It's by every other metric, we wouldn't even be running this show anymore. We wouldn't even we wouldn't even ask advertisers of their if they're interested because it's because of the size.
1: Yet for us there's like Deep value for our community, right? It's like a bizarre situation in that sense. Right.
0: We, we, find, we find deep value in the show and in working, like, in having a place where we can kind of collaborate with the community. They can ask us questions. We can answer those things. We can kind of drive community engagement to things that are certain projects. Like, it, it just makes a lot of sense for us, but it doesn't make sense as a commercially viable podcast. And it's also been a really good test ground for us. We've we've been able to try things over the years. And so we want to experiment at a whole new scale now with office hours Uh, because it's not viable as a sponsor funded show. It's just built different. Uh, We do think we could potentially finance production with boost bounties. And so what we want to try to do is a boost bounty for an episode. And right now we're shooting high because we want to cover the production cost. So 1.5 million total sats for an episode, and then we publish an episode. So that's right now at today's market value around $450 in exchange. If you were to exchange that into cash, we will adjust the target as it seems right. Like maybe market prices change up or down, or it seems like too high or too low of a target. But what we're thinking is we want to come up with a model where the boost will directly fund the production costs and a little bit of our time at essentially cost, right? So there's a base bounty price. We're not really making a profit there, but we can cover Drew's time. We send a little value to Brent and myself, to JB still, to Podverse, to you know developers that we have in the splits and things like that. And the splits will work in full transparency, 30% to Drew, 30% to Brent, 30% to myself, and then 10% to all the other places. And of course, that'll always be in the RSS feed and fully transparent. You can always check it to see where the splits are at. But with this experiment, we're going to see if we can directly fund production using Boost. And so when we get to a certain amount with those splits, Drew will have earned enough to cover his time for production editing. And we will just kind of have an idea as we're getting close because we'll watch the amounts come in so we can start scheduling internally. OK, I think this week we're going to do an office hours. And I also think there could be a role in here where we do little mini update episodes, I've been calling them in my in my in my my noodle uh, pocket office episodes where maybe I jump on at home or on my phone or I jump into the studio and I just do a quick update. Hey, this is where we're at. Here's something that happened this week. So and so wrote and asked about this. Don't don't forget we're X amount away from our bounty. When you want to see full up, uh, well, you know, when you're ready for a full episode office hours, when we read, we'll get that full amount. Whatever you know, we we'll, we'll get there when we get to the full uh, amount, and we'll just be transparent with where we're at on those amounts. It's risky, right? Because Boost engagement drops off when we don't do regular episodes. We've noticed that even with this week. Engagements dropped way off because we, we had a really sporadic release schedule over June. And so we, we understand. I mean, that makes sense, right? So we're going to have to kind of gauge that, figure out how to keep it going, keep people interested, and then probably also try to source some topic suggestions from some of those boosts. But obviously, we're going to be bringing our own agenda, too, because there's going to be things we just want to share with you guys.
1: So that's a lot. Brent, did I miss anything? Uh, Did you say experimental? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that. That's good. Yeah, definitely. I think really the, the thing is, if this works here with this experiment, you know, Office Hours has always been a little unsure of itself. But if this concept works here for Office Hours, it kind of begins to complete the whole idea that the network could also benefit from this model as a whole. You know, the other shows could also integrate some of this. Uh, you know, maybe we do special interviews or maybe we do one-off projects or or that kind of idea. So I think if, if, if you, if you like that idea that we've been talking about this entire episode, this is your chance to make it work and to experiment with us and to have a little bit of fun. Like, I think it's a totally different way to interact with a podcast that you really love or a podcast network that you really love. So if you want this to succeed, we do, we would love to see you guys really be, engaged with it and, you know, give us some ideas on how it can be tweaked as well. I think there's just some huge value there.
0: This could only really be done with office hours right now. Because first of all, you know, it's, it's pretty low cost production episode for us. It doesn't require days and days or weeks of research. You know, it doesn't require a team of us to put it together. Um, it's really my time, Brent's time and Drew's time. And often a little bit of West time in there. And so we can be really kind of we can be low cost in the production and we can produce an episode when we can afford to run it. That's what I like about this bounty system. The way it would work right now is if we just wanted to keep the show going in case another sponsor uh, wanted to advertise, or maybe if we kept it going on the regular, we just organically generate enough boosts, but we'd be taking that money out of the general fund to, to keep the show production going. And as advertising revenue goes down, There's other changes JB has to make if we want to keep the quality high. And so instead of killing a show, perhaps we move it to this bounty model because then the network can forecast when we can actually afford to run it. We can forecast when it's going to be time to actually produce it. And the audience can watch the entire process all along because not only is everything on the blockchain, but I think inevitably there'll probably be some role in there for maybe creating like a dashboard that shows a leaderboard that shows where we're at, how close we are to the goal, maybe who boosted in and their message. All of that is very doable and it could make this even more successful. And I think maybe office hours ultimately isn't the show that's so valuable to the audience that they're willing to make this happen on an ongoing basis. But if we could validate the model a couple of times, maybe it could be applied to another podcast or maybe it does work here. Um, We'll just have to kind of see it's sort of a unique opportunity with office hours since it's not really a viable sponsor show. And we do have to be really careful about our costs coming up over the next year, especially the next six to nine months. We're going to have to be very careful as a network about our costs. And so doing this allows us to maintain the content, produce it on a schedule that we can at least forecast, but only actually commit to doing it. Once we know we can safely afford to do it. That to me, Seems like a game changer if it works out, assuming we pull it off.
1: Now, Chris, True has a, a question for you. Does this also include counting the stream sets?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what we'll do is uh, Wes has a great script that we'll go through and we'll just kind of periodically grab the boosts and the streaming sats that come in and total them up. And then we'll generate a little internal report for us that we can just kind of keep an eye on. So we'll have that kind of process and the streaming stats are counted in there. Well, I
1: think I'm out of questions. Does anybody else have any questions? (laughs) But I think we'll be definitely reporting on this as it goes because we don't know what we're doing and it'll change as it goes, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, like the, the one area I think we really don't have any idea of is like, how do we do, how do we keep it rolling? So that way we let people know we're getting close or we need their help to get to the bounty without being obnoxious and without doing the cost of a full episode to remind folks um and is there a room in that for me to experiment with new formats Hmm. you know briefer quick updates that are just like little quick hits oh that's kind of
1: fun Mm -hmm. you know wasn't that your sort of idea for office hours at first was just like sit down record a quick thing and send it out there yeah maybe yeah because the feed could
0: turn out to be like a quick hit feed update for things going on hey at jb this week we got this going on um Hey, this item went on for sale. This meetup's going on. Uh, hey, we're this this week. We talked about X, Y, Z. If you're interested in that topic, I don't know. And then, by the way, we're at this point in our milestone. Sort of as a quick wrap up mm. or something. Maybe thank like the last person that boosted in or something. I don't know. Like I could do anything. I just don't really have it clear yet. You know, it's not. I don't have a clear picture yet. <laughs> I'm willing to give it a shot because there there's a network effect we could do here. Right, as we get close, we could say, "Hey, on Linux Unplugged next." And say, "Hey, you know what? We're really close to our bounty for a new office hours." you've been thinking about kicking in, we're 60,000 sats away from hitting our
1: milestone. You know, I mean, we could do those types of things, too, every now and then to remind people. A cacti chameleon says, uh, hey, you should call them podcast shorts. All right. I was thinking pocket offices,
0: but yeah, podcast shorts could be good. I put them in like, I'm going to do vertical, ver- vertical waveforms, you know, <laughs> waveform of the video. Or the audio. Oh, God. Just to, just to keep it consistent. I would also want to make sure we're publishing the updates in there. That's something else I have to kind of work out. So there's Deets right, right right now. Like if I do a quick and dirty publish from my phone, it doesn't necessarily go to all the right spots. Like it doesn't go to the all shows feed necessarily. It doesn't go to the members feeds necessarily. So I will also have to sort that out. But I think ten minutes of chatting with Wes will have that figured out. So that I'm not too worried about. Um, and then ultimately, we'd have to come up with another perk for party members. It's going to be tricky because the party memberships are really important so we don't want to reduce their benefits at the same time we want to be able to experiment with this format to see if it's a viable format so I'll have to give that some more thought too but I'm, I don't know I'd be interested to know what people think any other questions or shall we get to the boost I think that's about
1: it Chris and now it is time for le boost
0: all right well adversary 17 comes in with sixty thousand nine hundred and one one sets hey! They're our baller booster this week. They say, hey, Chris, second time booster here. I think there might be third time, actually, by, by the time we get to this message. I just wanted to say thank you for educating me on Bitcoin and Lightning and being so passionate about it. Your energy is contagious. Keep up the great work. And I love all the podcasts you and the team produce. P.S. This is a zip code boost. Oh, Brent, mm-hmm. you should have warned me. Let me I got to get the map out. Hold on. Okay. I know I can find this. Uh, see. It's over here. It's America. Maybe it's America. Yeah, these maps are so big. Yeah, it's big. Oh, here, here, I found Chicago. Okay, let me get in here. Looks like it's south of Chicago, down the fifty-seven, in a place called Kaniki, I K-N-A-K-E-E, Kaniki, I you <laughs> Illinois.
1: You, you even spelt it wrong, did you? I think it's Kenki. I think it's Kenki. No, I'm pretty uh, sure it's kinky. It has a lot of K's and a lot of A's.
0: <laughs> I think it's Kinky, Illinois, is what it is. That's uh, thank you. I found it on the map, though. So thank you very
1: much. Appreciate the zip code boost. Those are my favorite adversaries. I'd like to see you uh, try to fold that map up again. <laughs> I think I should just leave it out in case we get another one. Nope. Scott comes in with a row of ducks. How do you think Doster could be used
0: in podcasting? Affirmable chats for live streams was brought up in LUP once. There are ways to bring Noster and RSS feeds together called Nostr RSS. And I've been working on Podping replacement in my free time called Noster Notify. Huh. I don't know if any of it will make a big difference to podcast or not. Thoughts. Scott, I think I I like Podping, but I think having an alternative is worth considering and one based on relays and not the hive blockchain, I think is interesting to discuss further. Uh ephemeral chats was my idea. So you'd have a chat room that exists for that one episode kind of a thing. But um I like yours a lot, Scott. Keep me posted if you develop me further. Gene Bean comes in with 4096 sets. Castomatic is my favorite iOS app, and I'm not using it right now because of a bug with boosting will likely be fixed by the next time you read this on air. Well, thank you for the hot boost. Coming in hot with the boost. I hear so many good things about castomatic. I'm gonna have to give it a go. Going to have to. When they get that, if they get that boosting thing fixed, let me know, Gene Bean. I'm going to have to try it. Uh, Taco Strange comes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Taco Strange
0: comes in with 10,000 sats. Uh, I had no idea the cash app was on the lightning network. It's so much easier to load up my fountain wallet now. Here are the sats I use to test out the process. Hey, hey. Thanks. Very, very nice. True Grits boosted 10,000 sats across two boosts. I really enjoyed this episode i'd love to see more like it in the future i also agree with the booster that mentioned scaling the show down to one episode a month if need be however i hope it doesn't have to come to that (laughs) yeah we'll see now i mentioned when we take time off the boost consistency consistency drops down um so our total sats that my manual calculations i wasn't using west's script this time but my manual calculations are 87,219 sats that's about 26 dollars Across five
1: boosters. Not quite our episode goal, is it?
0: No. And so you can see why we set a goal of 1.5 million sets because we want to pay properly for Drew's time and Brent's time, a little bit of my time and kick it off to some developers and stuff like that. So, uh, But we also are very grateful for that, you know, that $26 will go to work. So thank you, everybody, who did boost in. You can boost in with a new podcast app at podcastapps.com. Fountain, Castomatic and Podverse. In fact, Podverse just had a great update for Android users. Big thumbs up on stability. So if you haven't checked one of those apps out yet, now might be the time. If you don't feel like switching podcast apps, you can boost directly by getting Albie, getalbie.com, top that off either like from the cash app or just directly. And then you head on over to the podcast index. You look up the old office hours, which is a pain in the butt because it's a bad name. So I'll put a link in the notes and you just boost right there from their website. It's such a bad name. I have a hard time finding it, and it's my (laughs) face. My face is on the artwork for some reason, and I have a hard time finding it. Why did we do this? So we have one more episode of the traditional Office Hours format, which we think it probably works out perfectly. Uh, One more sponsored Linode episode, and one more episode for us to kind of digest what we've discussed today with you guys. Review any kind of feedback or ideas you have. I'd love to get those in via Boost if we can. And then... We'll kind of have the final formula, I think, by the end of our next episode. And then starting, I guess that would be, what, 34 or 32? So 33 will be a regular format. And then starting with 34, we'll begin the new bounty-based format. We'll have to come up with a name for it, too. So if you got a name that's better than Bounty Boost or something, let me know. Because maybe it's catchy. It'll catch catch on. Others will follow the model. Either way, it's either going to be a success or it's going to be a dramatic failure. But because we're doing it right here, and not only are we doing it live, you'll find out about it (laughs) one way or another. But with that, i got to get to a 4th of July party. Happy America Day for those who care. And thanks for joining us. Bye, Brantley. Bye.